Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here, coaxing Otto to stay, at least for the very first moments. We've just been bribing him with some food. Ooh, he hasn't moved. Thank you, Otto. Hi, everybody. Once again, Fireside Chat. 269. 269. So, some thoughts at the end of the year. People take New Year's resolutions. I think New Year's resolutions are important, even if you break them. And most people do break them. The only question is when. <laughs> Megan's cracking. Everybody's cracking up. Why? Because of his sound effects? Yes. Okay. And now we'll ask him to leave, I guess. Because I I have thoughts I really do want to share with people. All right, bye bye, Otto. Take take it, take that's a new Google boy. Okay, yeah, this has not been this has not been a helpful exercise. I have to say, it's probably cracking you who are watching up because of the delay in the actual chat part of the fireside chat. All right, we're good. So why do I think even if you break them, it's important? First of all, it means that you know that in some ways you could do better. That's the beginning of becoming a better human being, is to know you can and ought to be better. So that, that's, that's a big factor. Secondly, you have isolated certain things to do, whatever it might be, whether it's exercise or reading or travel. I, I don't know what people make all sorts of resolutions. So I, I think they're valuable. The idea that, well, you'll break it anyway. Why make them is not a tenable argument, in my opinion, for reasons I just offered. Anyway, I want to want to offer you a thought there. I could obviously spend hours on and have on things that any one of us can do to make ourselves better through some resolution. But I want to offer one overriding thought, and then maybe I'll, uh, depending on the time factor, before I take your questions, I'll, I'll give you some other thoughts. So a lot of people say it is a cliche, and, and not, cliches aren't necessarily wrong. Most cliches, are, in fact, are accurate. That's why they became a cliche. But it, it, it means that it's said so often that you should all, people should all look into themselves, you know, and, and explore who they are, find who they are. And, I, and I, I remember hearing this when I was a kid in, in college, you know, you just got to, uh, you got to, you got to work on finding the real you or some whatever language is used. And I, I even then, though, I thought that was silly advice. What does it mean, find me? Who's me? What, what is infinitely more important than finding you? I mean, there are aspects of that that are important, I may touch on. But infinitely more important than that is not exploring, not asking, who am I? Asking who or whom do I want to be? That's the most important question in life. Not who are you? Who do you want to be? And people don't ask that question. 
Do you, do you want to be and then and then famous? Do you want to be rich? Do you want to be good? Do you want to be courageous? I mean, that's the question. What or who do you want to be? And that's not taught anymore. It was taught to me in my religious upbringing. What kind of person do I want to be? They never, I don't think they spend five minutes in who are you. Let's say you discover who you are. Then what? What if you discover it's not very impressive? <laughs> who am I? Well, in my father's view, I was very lazy. And as I think I have mentioned, I'm actually grateful to him for telling me how lazy I was because he was right. I was lazy. I was totally happy to basically play. And that was not nice for me to hear. It was it was somewhat hurtful. But so what? The question is, it, it's like if you go to a doctor, do you want to be told good news or the truth? <laughs> right? I, you know, oh, you know, imagine a doctor saying to his or her nurse, you know, this guy's got uh, serious third stage cancer, but that'll make him feel bad. So I'm not going to tell him you're doing fine, Mr. Prager. <laughs> it, 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 so th this notion that parents' job is to make their kids feel good is, is, is actually dangerous, is harmful. You've got to tell your kids the truth. My father, now he didn't put it in the sweetest way. He didn't, uh, he didn't you know, sugarcoat it uh, in, in, any, in, in any way. It wasn't like, oh, you're terrific, but you are lazy. It was just, you're lazy. And so in a sort of sense, I've spent my life working against my inner being laziness. So in that sense, I was told something about my nature and that it, it helped me. Yes, I did know me in that sense. But the point is, I didn't want to be me. <laughs> if I wanted to be me, I'd want to be lazy. So uh, there's a very big difference between knowing who you are and knowing who you want to be. They're often in conflict, which, of course, goes to my my overwhelmingly important observation, which is not unique to me. It was made 3000 years ago in the Bible that human nature is deeply flawed. So the truth is, if you keep exploring yourself, you'll find out how flawed you are, which is worth doing, by the way, I, I that I, that I actually think is fine. If you want to explore yourself to find out what your flaws are and how you need to combat them in order to be better, that would be great. But that's not what people mean. Well, you know, I, I need to find myself. What are you going to do? Take, take a searchlight and, and look for yourself in the corner of the room? What does it even mean I'm going to find myself? It's a waste of time compared to I want to be X or Y or Z. So that's that's really important. Don't waste your time, except insofar as you need to explore yourself, and this I do believe in, to find out what inhibits you from being a better person and even a happier person. Because the cliche, we are our own worst enemies, is very, very often true. What does it mean, I'm my worst enemy? It means my nature is working against my best interests. That's true.
In that sense, it's worth knowing what you have to fight. But the odds are you have to fight what most people have to fight. I think most people are naturally lazy. Most people left to their own devices don't yearn to get up early and zoom into work. You know, I've written a, a lot of books and I've written a thousand columns. They're all up on the Internet. And it's work to look at a screen or in the old days, a piece of paper and start writing. It, that ain't, it isn't easy. It gets easier over time, but it's never easy. I look at a screen and I have to have my column in by Monday at 5.30 p.m. my local time. And those weeks go by very fast, but that's how I got a thousand columns up. So that's why there's a great biblical phrase, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. In other words, it's tough, but you then you reap the benefits of the tough. It's tough. Everything's tough. It's tough to have kids. It's tough to raise a kid. It's a famous Hebrew phrase for those who know Hebrew. <laughs> it's not famous to those who don't know Hebrew. Tsar gidul banim, the pain of raising children. <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's a fact. Marriage has pain in it. I mean, the best marriage in the world will have some pain in it. It's inevitable. Human beings are complex. You're living with a human being every day, essentially, for hopefully the rest of your life. But even if you get divorced, it's usually still decades. These are challenges in life. But guess what? <laughs> it's a challenge to be single and happy. It's, it's not like what people say, oh, marriage, well, you know, you know, so many end in divorce. Well, you're telling me that every single person wouldn't want to divorce themselves if they could? They're having, they're having a great time in life, all the singles of the world? It's not, it's not uh, in fact, by every poll, uh, uh, married people are happier. And, and that's even taking into account the amount of divorce. Life is a challenge. So you got to know that. Unfortunately, helicopter parents have deprived kids of knowing this. This I know I've talked about at Fireside Chats, but so what? It's a, important points need to be made on a daily basis, essentially. Helicopter parents really ruin their children because they, they protect them from all pain. It's like protecting your child from all germs. Then they'll never develop antibodies and they'll just keep getting sick as they get older. You can't deprive your kid of pain because what are they going to do when you're not around, when you can't helicopter their pain away when they're 25, let alone 55 and you're dead? So it's a very bad idea to deprive your child of the natural pain of life. So back to my biggest recommendation for the new year is ask who do you want to be rather than try to find yourself. And hopefully you want to be a better human being, more honorable. You want to be more courageous. Boy, courage, that's the answer to almost all the evils in the world. It takes courage to not go with the herd. Kids go with the herd because they don't want to be unpopular. 
the greatest fear in a high school kid's life is probably being unpopular. So people yearn to be popular. People pay a terrible price generally for being popular. They've compromised their integrity to get popular. So if you find that you're you're with the herd, you're 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 agreeing with you know the great majority of people in your school if it, i mean the the big the big example today i mean there are a lot of big examples is you know men give birth if you find yourself saying men give birth it's not because you believe it nobody believes it it's you say it because you don't want to be unpopular because if you deny it you'll be unpopular so it takes courage to tell the truth that has always been the case, that it takes courage to tell the truth. The truth shall set you free. Famous New Testament phrase. That's right. But people are not yearning to be free. They're yearning to be taken care of and to be popular. So that's the question. Who, who do you want to be? That, that would be a great thing for you to work on in this coming year indeed this week and then when january 1st comes around it really is a new opportunity to try again look you could you could try to be a, a better person april 17th obviously but there's something about doing it the new year gives you a new chance it's a it's a nice thought Okay, let's go to our questions. Hi, I'm John Rentoria, and I live in Los Angeles, California. My question for you is, what do you do if your parents reject your love? Should you keep trying or should you pull back? Thank you. Should you keep trying or should you pull back? So that's a really, uh, first of all, I feel for you. You seem like such a sweet guy. I assume you're asking on your, on your behalf uh, rather than a friend's behalf, but it doesn't matter. The question is, is just as relevant, whether it's you or somebody else. So it's an interesting question. I, I didn't grow up personally, because I have to personalize this to begin an answer. So I didn't grow up with particularly warm parents. They were very impressive human beings, uh, but they, they weren't, at least when I was a child, they were not particularly warm. They got warm when I became an adult. That's so, and I'm not, even, I'm not saying this as a complaint or a lament or anything, just I, 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 I'm using this as a preface to my answer. I can't Im imagine what you're going through if this is self-descriptive. You're, you're offering this love and they're rejecting it. It's one thing if parents don't offer it, but it's another where they reject yours. That, that's very sad, obviously. So uh, I have a number of responses. What I and my responses are not my advice to you. They're what I would do, but that doesn't make it right. I often think I am giving you a, 
you, whoever asked, a right answer. In this case, this would be what I would do. I don't know that it would be right. Maybe there is no right answer to this question. But what I would do is I would pull back. Uh, and I, I know why. And I, again, I'm not saying this is the right approach, but I know why. I would pull back first because I, I've always wanted to be a happy person. I've worked on my happiness since I was a kid. I really, really hate being unhappy. <laughs> and, and, and I'm basically happy and I work on it all of my life and it's worked. So I wouldn't walk into a door that kept hitting me in the face. And that's, in effect, how I would see my offers of love to my parents that keep getting rejected. Why would I, be, why would I want to be a punching bag? That, that's how I would look at it. Again, I'm not saying it's the right answer for everyone, but that's what I would do. I would just give up one day. That's right. I wouldn't do, give up. I wouldn't yell at them. I wouldn't scream at them. I, I, I would just do something else. And to a certain extent, this is what I did. And it worked for my whole life. And again, it wasn't a matter of I offered and it got rejected. It's just it wasn't it wasn't all that warm an experience at home and uh, in, in my childhood. What I did was I sought love from others. There are a lot of people on Earth, <laughs> not just your parents. And by the way, I never, never complained to them. I never yelled at them. I always honored them because I take the Ten Commandments seriously. I believe God instructed me because it's in the singular, the Hebrew, honor your father and mother. And I always did. And I thank God now that they're not here. I thank God that I honored them. It would be a very bad thing to have a parent die and then start feeling guilty. I didn't treat them properly. I know I treated them properly and I'm very happy that I did. But I, what I did was I didn't yell at them about this issue. I simply opted out of that issue. And starting in sixth grade till today, from sixth grade to today, I have always had at least one male in my life whom I loved. And I mean loved which is not typical for guys, maybe later on in life. But I have always had at least one f male friend whom I loved and who loved me. That was a very powerful help in my life. I also sought it, you know, or got it from other relatives. It's very common for kids to get more love from a grandparent than from a parent, for example. That's what grandparents' job is, to love their grandchildren. They have no other job, <laughs> generally, unless they're raising the child, then they become the parent again, or a parent again. So uh, that's what I would do. You obviously care about love, or you wouldn't have posed this question. So I, I'm, I'm happy for you. Love is, love is important. It's not everything in life, but it sure is important. And f bond with a guy and ultimately bond with a woman and, and get married. And that's, I mean, th there are so many, so to speak, opportunities for love 
if you didn't get it from your parents. It's very common for people not to feel all that love by a parent. It, it is not. Read, read the literature. I mean, not the literature. Read literature. And you see how difficult family life is for so many people. I, I often comment that the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, is a gift from God because every family is dysfunctional. It's God's way of saying, if you have a dysfunctional family, <laughs> you're normal. <laughs> if you have a really healthy, functional family, you're abnormal. <laughs> you, you got a great head start, I will admit. But uh, that, that's, that would be my, uh, my response. And, and we had a very, uh, very intelligent response here when I, uh, when I saw your question right before the fireside chat. You can't control what others do. I salute you, sir. You can't control what others do. That's a very big deal. People want to. They try to control a spouse, a child, a parent, a friend, a business associate. You can't control anybody else. You're in great shape if you can control you. <laughs> That's the one you should really work on controlling. So, you know, that's why since you can't control your parents, it, it, it you know, not angrily just opt out of the attempt. That's what I would do. And good luck to you, whatever you choose to do. Okay. Next. Taya, 18 years old in Minnesota. Hello, Mr. Prager. I love listening to the fireside chat and hearing your thoughts on current events. It is always enlightening and intriguing. Always? Cool. I know you have said the best thing young people can do is get married and raise good children. True. As an 18-year-old who wants a spouse, by the way, it's the best thing not only for you, for the world. Let me, let me ask all of you a question. What would be better if every young person aimed to be a good parent to raise good children or a really good CEO? Which would make the world a better place? Okay, it's a rhetorical question. As an 18-year-old who wants a spouse who, uh, who agrees with her values and convictions, what is a good way to find those men? And what would you say is the best piece of relationship advice? Your thoughts are greatly appreciated. Say hello to Otto. I would, but he's not here. Thanks again, Taya. So, okay. The, what is a good way to find those men, those who agree with your values and convictions? If I had the answer to that question, I would be God. <laughs> well, maybe I know the best way. Well, I don't even know the best way, but I know some ways. But there's no foolproof way. I do say this to young women, though, all the time. Good men do not grow on trees. And you will find much sooner than later that as so many women have lamented to me on my radio show, the best men are almost always married. And there's a reason for that. The best men marry and marriage makes men better. So that's the reason the best men are usually the ones who are married. 
So you've got to find that one before that he gets married. That's, that's the trick. When women say, oh, no, I'm focused on a career now. They're 25 years old. They're focused on a career. Why? Why exactly? You can focus on career anytime you want, but you can't focus on finding a good man anytime you want. You can focus, focus, smokus, hocus pocus. Okay, I wish good men did grow on trees. I think good men grew on trees in my father's generation. I think that was more likely. The vast majority of men were, were responsible, did hard work, wanted to marry, wanted to make a family, wanted to take care of a family. That is not true today. What is there in America today? I think there are 7 million males who are out of the workforce. Healthy males who've just opted out of working. Have you heard that statistic? It's, it's frightening. What are they doing? My assumption is playing video games or something equally deep. I have nothing wrong with video games if you're otherwise married and reading and going to work and doing hard things. You, you, you want to take time off to play, play. Benjamin Franklin said, eight hours work, eight hours play, eight hours sleep. Which when you think of it is really remarkable. Eight hours play? Gee, it's hard for me to imagine. I'd love it, but it's hard for me to imagine. <laughs> so how could you find them? Well, I'm a big believer in the internet, okay? Just for the record. If you, this notion, I, I met a, a, just this past week, I met a young woman. I spoke for uh, TPUSA and it was in Phoenix. And I, I met some, this woman, introduced me to her two daughters. They were in their 20s. And they were obviously impressive young women, quite attractive, and they never seemed everything going for them. And I, so I always ask you, so are you married? No. You want to get married? Yes. So I said, so are you on the internet? Are you, are you in a, uh, what, what is it called? What app? Dating app. Dating app. She says, no, I, I want to meet a man organically. So, you know, it's what she said, because I could never have made that up. I don't think I've used the word organically in my life, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Organ, yes. Organically, no. <laughs> she wants to meet a young man, a man organically. And I, 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 I was very polite, but I really wanted to say, what? What the hell does that mean? You want to meet a man organically. I, 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 I think I know what she meant. You know, somebody will introduce us or I'll just meet him in the street or at a bar if she goes to bars. Or I don't know what. But how many men can you meet that way? Five? Seriously. How many men can you meet organically? Who's going to introduce you? Your, your cousin? Uh, it, it, I hope you meet a man organically. That's, I don't care how you meet a guy. But it would seem to me that hundreds of thousands gives you a bigger pool to swim in, more fish to try to catch than organically does. 
Now, look, I know women tell me their experiences on dating apps, and I tell you sometimes I'm embarrassed to be a man. I fully acknowledge it. Okay. But a lot of terrific couples have met inorganically <laughs> via, via a dating app. So uh, I, I, that's, that's what I would recommend. And obviously, and what you do is you, you make clear your values so that you, you eliminate wasted time. This is what I believe in. This is what I stand for. And uh, I'm saying this so that we, I don't waste your time if, if you don't share these values. That, that, that's fair. That's good. Naomi, 15 years old, Bremerton, Washington. Dear Dennis and everybody involved in the fireside chat, including Mrs. Prager. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. As a young female, where and how should I begin traveling? I would love to travel the world, but I'm also concerned for my safety as a young female. I love everything you do, and you have inspired this want to travel the world. Good. I'm glad. I've been to 131 countries. It's literally the only thing I ever brag about. You just say, oh, Dennis, how are you? 131 countries. (laughs) That's great that you want to travel and you're 15. Yeah. Well, certainly a a, a teenage girl. And well, you're 15. You're not going to go around the world alone, obviously. But even at 18, let's say there, there are risks. There are. It depends where you go. To, uh, but that's true for anybody. That's true for me. It depends where you go. Uh, for example, I'm not taking my next trip to Iraq, <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> uh, I, I'm too well known, and I'm a Jew who's who's well known. It's it's not it's not the wisest thing to do, unfortunately. So, uh, I agree with you about asking this question. The ideal would seem to be to go with somebody. It's still not foolproof. There's no foolproof. Uh, you, you ask people where you are, are there neighborhoods that I should avoid? And you take, you take precautions. But the number of young women who have traveled alone and nothing has happened is 99.9%. You're right to be concerned. But uh, if you go to a, a relatively safe place, you'll, you'll just be fine. Okay, Dennis. That's it. Wow. Well, that's a good thing that I, I feel that it went fast. Imagine if I didn't. Oh, man, this thing's really creeping along. (laughs) So another year. The speed of the years is a little uh, frightening and certainly sobering. That's why it's not a great idea to waste time. It's a great idea to have fun downtime. But it's a good idea to monitor how much time you feel you've wasted that's that's not the same as time that you've rested and time that you have recreated and so on. I wish you a wonderful year. I wish this troubled America a better year. 
It's a troubled world, a better year. But remember, a troubled world has generally been the norm in history, not the exception. The human species is a complex one. So God bless you. Thank you for your support. And by that, I mean your questions, your comments, your bringing this fireside chat to others' attention, your contributions to PragerU, whatever it might be. And I will see you next year. Happy New Year.